Good morning. How are you? Uh, my name is Scott. I'm the uh, the student ministry guy here. Uh, I get to work alongside. Is is Lauren here? Okay, on front row. There you go. Uh, I get to uh, my my partner in crime, my teammate Lauren, our middle school director, right over there. Uh, let me tell you how this is going to go this morning. I. Um, I, some of you, like, listen, do not bust my self-esteem bubble and run from the building because the youth pastor is up this morning, all right? I, it, goes, it goes one of two ways. I, I've been doing this for, you know, uh, uh, over 30 years now doing student ministry, and I love teaching students. It's my favorite thing. Um, but I also know that, you know, twice a year, they, they, they put you up on Sunday morning, and and so what what happens is one of two things. When I was when I was uh, uh, younger, like I'd, I'd get done teaching on Sunday, and some well-meaning um, Christian would come up and go, "I just want you to know it'll be okay. You'll get better." <laughs> or 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 on the other end of it, you'd have somebody come up and they a well-meaning Christian, and you know, they pat you on the back and they go, "Wow, that uh." That lead pastor and teaching pastor, they better watch out. You're coming for their job. <laughs> I always remember uh, there's a, uh, a fairly famous uh, preacher who had somebody come up and say to him, it's like, wow, that youth pastor last week, he did a great job. He's probably coming for your gig. And uh, the, the pastor goes, look, dude has to pe- preach twice a year. I have to do 50. It better be good. <laughs> So whichever way it goes, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. We are in the book of Ruth. Uh, we're gonna be looking at uh, chapter two, verses one through seven. And I don't know about you guys, but this series has had a huge impact on my spirit. Like chapter one, I, I, the, the entire idea of, of seeing God in the loss. If you didn't hear Lloyd's message last week, Please go back and listen to it. There is, there is that idea of how closely connected our loss and our hallelujahs are. That was, I mean, I, I spent so much time thinking about that this week. The entire idea of, of, of God being in the midst of our, of our mess is such an incredible thing for us to think about and dwell on. Uh, for those of you who, who don't know, we're, we're working our way through the book of, of Ruth. And uh, just a couple things, you know, just a, as a reminder, uh, there was this uh, lady named Naomi. And she was married to this guy named Elimelech. Um, I always feel like, by the way, uh, great, uh, if, you know the, the game you play, Hangman, with the, the letters? Elimelech is a great word. You can use that free of, free of charge. Um, but yeah, she, was, she was married to this guy. She had two sons and, and they married a couple of, of Moabite ladies and uh, Ruth and Orpah. And uh, as, as, a, uh, just, as a pastor, like one of your greatest fears is that you turn Orpah into Oprah. It, like, it, it is so easy to do. Uh, but the, we, we then begin to see a, a tragedy that really begins to unfold in, in the life of these, these women. There's a famine and uh, the, the husband and the two sons die. And in the midst of that, we know that in the culture that they lived, that was no small thing. 
I meant that their protection, their, their family, their, 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 their finances, like everything was gone. Not only just the, the tragedy of losing all of that family, but losing everything that in that culture came with that. So I wanna go back and I wanna read Ruth chapter one, verse 22, one more time. It won't be up on the screen. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna read it to remind us of where we are in the story, all right? Ruth chapter one, verse 22, it says this. So Naomi returned and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab. And they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. Now, I, I, just wanna, I just wanna remind us, the commitment that Ruth was making to Naomi was so huge. She, she, she was not even from the original group of people that knew Jehovah. She decided not only is she going to follow Naomi, but she's going to take on her God also and everything that came with that. And they head back to Bethlehem and it's right about the time that harvest is about to take place. Uh, this idea of recognizing God's ordinary providence in our life, I, I, I'm not even gonna take a poll in the room because I'm just confident. I, I'm not good at it. I, 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 it's, a, it's a discipline that you, you have to work through in life where in everything, in every moment, your heart sees God in it. You see his providence, you see his sovereignty, you see him working. Like, I... That we can go through a day and get to the end of the day and go, man, I don't know that I even stopped to see God in that. It, it's so ironic. Like I, I work in a, uh, I feel so fortunate that I get to work in a job where all day I get to have conversations about God and I get to open the Bible and, 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 and I, and yet I can get to the end of the day and I can have, you know, 30 meetings and, and 30 conversations and get away with Jesus. And I go, man, I don't know that I recognized God anywhere in that. Anybody? Amen. <laughs> that idea that we're walking through is so important because here we have chapter one, all of this loss, all of this hurt, all of this pain, and we come to this moment in chapter two where we're about to go from the weeping to the working. There's something that God wants to say to us today in that. I was a, uh, I was a, a, a nerdy comic book kid, and now I'm a tall, nerdy comic book kid. I use, I, I like, before they ever became movies, I was the kid who... Man, I, I would I would pour over. They had these uh, when we were uh, growing up. There were like used bookstores, and in there they would have just boxes of comics, and they were like a nickel, and you could just like buy as many of them you want. And I just I consumed them, and and the Avengers comics were my favorite. And there's this there's this thing in the comics like uh, I, I remember I am not ashamed to admit I have cried at a couple superhero movies, and if you say you don't, you're a liar. Okay. <laughs> There's, there's this moment where, you know, they, they'll use the catchphrase, Avengers assemble. And you're like, everybody will be together and you're <clears throat> Just give me a moment. 
And if you read the comic books, that moment doesn't come till near the end of the comic. Like if you open the comic and on page one, it's Avengers Assemble, bad guy dead. There's no emotional weight to that, right? Because what you see is all of these things where all these characters begin to come together and you begin to recognize, oh, that character is coming from here and oh, they're in the proximity of this one and this person does this and all of a sudden they begin to get close to this one and before you know that their circle closes in and you go, here it comes, here it comes, here it comes. There's something about this chapter of Ruth that we begin to see the Avengers assemble, if you will. We begin to see from this time of hurt and pain and weeping, you begin to see the little decisions that they make begin to bring them together. I wanna read Ruth chapter two, verses one through seven. But this is what I want you to do as you read this. I want you to catch how many times you see that's not a coincidence, that's God. That's not a coincidence, that's God. Ruth chapter two, verses one through seven say this. Now, Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to, it was perfectly just a coincidence. There was no reason for it at all. She happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and he said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, she is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. I want us to be aware, there was nothing easy about this scene for Ruth. Remember what was going on in the life of Ruth and Naomi at this point. We're gonna put a picture up on the screen and I just wanna remind us of, of kind of the circles of, of, of family and clan and, and all those things. When, when Elimelech died and the sons died, it left this inner circle empty. And in, in this culture, in this society, in this patriarchal household, this, this changed everything. It was their protection, it was their finances, it was their supply, it was everything they had. And that circle was gone. They were outside of it. Ruth and Naomi felt that loss. Uh, when we moved here about seven years ago, uh, there was this interesting thing we found about people who, who live here and we had never experienced it before. It was a new thing. Uh, people, when you asked, where do you live? They would give neighborhood names. 
As a matter of fact, let's just practice it. Like you guys know what neighborhood you live in? You probably have a sign outside of your, your neighborhood, right? So just on the count of three, you tell me the neighborhood. One, two, three. Yeah, see, I don't get it. I don't, I don't. Like, is, we, we didn't have named neighborhoods. That wasn't a thing. Like, we, we, we lived in this part of town or this part of town. But I remember, I'd say, now, where do you live? And somebody would say, like, I don't know, because it's, it's usually a cutesy name, Cobblestone English Village or something. I don't know. And I, I didn't understand what that was. Think in terms of, of that 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 inner circle, that family, that was that, that was that neighborhood, but they were all connected in such a tight way that when all but you were eliminated from that neighborhood, you were on your own. And because you were on your own, that also meant, well, I, I don't know who my clan is. Now, we know that Boaz shows up and He's from the clan of Elimelech, and that's important because that's a clan that Ruth can be brought into. I can't go to that part of the story yet because that's down the road. But all of that was in disarray for them. And because of that, when Ruth went out to, to glean and, 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 and she, she's adopted Jehovah as her God. And so she's learning these things along the way. And, and we know that uh, according to uh, Leviticus, there's this law of, of gleaning where God commands the field owners to, to not harvest all the way up to the edge because it left something there for the poor to come and, 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 and glean off of. And it was hard work because there wasn't much there. But as she went out to do that because she knew, she understood the law, but she also was living in the time of judges where it says every man did what was right in the sight of their own eyes. So she has no protection she goes, we, we, gotta have, we gotta have, Naomi, we gotta have enough to survive today. So I'm gonna go out, I'm gonna, I'm gonna in some way trust that there's gonna be something there, some, a little something. She goes out without protection. She goes into that place not knowing if it's even gonna work or not. Because at this point, everyone was just living as they see fit. There's this principle of God, I, I, and I believe it's true, and I, I believe it's biblical, but I also believe that it gets misused a lot. The principle is this, that God uses small things to do something great. I can, I can cite all sorts of places in scripture where this is the case. Um, little, little kid with a sack lunch is sitting on a lawn listening to Jesus and the big scary disciple guys came up and said, can we have that? And because of that little sack lunch and the compassion of Jesus, 5,000 people were fed on that day. Elijah, who comes to this woman's house and she's about to, She's about to fix the last meal with the last little bit of grain and oil that she has. This is it. After this, me and my son, we're done. 
And Elijah shows up and with that little bit, God does something incredible and it, it never runs dry. And they just keep eating and eating and eating it. I could go all the way back to the beginning, right? God decided to model this by saying this, I'm gonna create the entire universe by just speaking a word. There is this principle that God takes something small and he does something great with it. I'm gonna be honest, I've struggled with this idea over the years. Because there's this thing that happens when we're talking about God's sovereignty and his providence and the choices I make and the things that I do. Just like humor me here. How many of you have ever been in a place in your life where you wondered if what you are doing makes any difference at all? And we, and we, then we, then we come into uh, a place where uh, we begin to open God's word and we begin to talk about how God is for us and, and his providence and his sovereignty and his plan is preeminent and it's gonna move forward. And I go, yes, I love that. But, but what difference does it make then? There's a, a, a verse in Ephesians that has meant a lot to me over the years, but it's also a verse that I have struggled with over the years. It's Ephesians 2.10. It says this, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The reason I've struggled with this verse over the years is I love the first part. I struggle with the second part. I love the idea that God has created me that I am his workmanship and that I've been created for good works. That makes me feel good. But it's the second half that says, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It's, it's, it's almost this idea of, look, you've been, pre, you've been created for these incredible things. And by the way, God has prepared them and they kind of are what they are. And that... Listen, I, even as I say that out loud, you go, no, 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 Scott, that's not the way it works. But if I'm honest, there's times that that's how I feel. I, I was trying to figure out how I was going to visualize this because I'm a student ministry guy and you can't do anything without a visual aid. Let's just say, for the sake of argument, that this rope, is God's plan. And it goes from, from, from one end of eternity to the other. I know, mind blown, because we can't. That's God's plan. That is, his plan is going down. I'm telling you, the word says that he is coming back for his people and there is nothing that is going to prevent that from happening. And everybody said, the problem is I feel like so often in my life, I'm, I, like, I'm doing my thing. God, how does that line up with your plan? I'm making choices. I'm making decisions. I'm doing stuff. God, is it making any difference? Because this is your plan and that's going to happen. But 
Ruth, she's going out. She's doing what she needs to do to survive. She's making decisions, right? Boaz, he's just, he's just going to check his field. He's doing, he's doing the next right thing. Because when Boaz, out of doing that right thing, shows up in that field, there's an intersection of God's character, his plan, and Boaz's decision. It's a little thing, but it just found itself in the midst of something incredible that God's gonna do. Is, is God's sovereignty, his providence, his preeminence, is it real 100%? Does Boaz's decision matter? Yep. That little boy, he woke up that morning and, and mom picked the sack lunch and he walks out. And that decision to, to be in that place and to do that thing and, and to make that one small step, it got aligned with the compassion of Jesus and something incredible happened. Now, Elijah, he showed up in that place and he said, we can trust God. It looks like it's, it looks like it's empty. And that lady, she chose, she chose to make that last cake. And out of that decision, it lined up with the character of God. And at this intersection of God's character, his presence, his plan, and that little decision that they make is where something incredible happens. God takes those small things and does something incredible with them. I, I wanna go back to Ruth chapter two, verse four, because I, I want us to see how this plays out in these few verses. Uh, I want you to just look at these verses and I, I want you to see a couple of things. It says that Boaz came from Bethlehem. You know, there's this, there's this interesting thing that, that happens. You know, this, for those that were living out this story, they didn't know how it was gonna go, right? They're, they're living it out. They're walking it out. They're doing the day-to-day -day thing. They're feeling the loss. They're feeling the pain. They're going through the process when the children of Israel heard this story as it was told over and over and over again, when they heard the phrase, Boaz came from Bethlehem, they had a picture of Bethlehem. This, this little town, a few hundred people living there, agricultural town, doing their thing where everybody knows everybody. Their picture was of this, this little nothing town. For those of us in this room, when we hear the name Bethlehem, our picture is very different. Because God took this little thing, this little thing, this little place called Bethlehem, and out of that little place came our Savior. There's never been anything bigger. 
Like literally, even in this small portion of scripture, God is demonstrating to those of us who are seeing this, that God takes these little things and he does something great with them. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers and she just happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz who was of the clan of Elimelech. He just happened to be. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and he said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless you. I don't even know if Boaz fully realized it, but what he was saying was, let's make a decision. And let's pray that that decision, that little decision in faith will connect to the presence and the character of God. And when we do that, the Lord will bless it. And he'll do something great with it. It might be today, it might be tomorrow, it might be the 10 years that it takes for this story to unfold. But when we do the little thing that connects with the heart, the character, and the presence of Jesus, we can expect him to do something great. God takes the small stuff and does something big. The Lord be with you. God's presence and character, may it line up with our decisions. And the Lord bless you. May the provision and the sovereignty of God be ever evident in his faithfulness. This should be encouraging to us that as we do the small things that God has asked us to do, that we connect with the very plan and the stream of God. When our work, our choices, our small stuff connects with God's character, his presence and his faithfulness are part of the promise. So here's your invitation to life today. Here's, the, here's, here's what we do with this. What would it look like this week to choose one small thing to do in faith and trust God to work big with it? He said, well, what is, what is that one small thing? Can I just say for some of you, I, I know some of you in this room, maybe your marriage is struggling. What, is it, what does it look like to make a decision to trust God for your marriage, to make one decision that aligns with his character? Maybe you're struggling with job, finances. Maybe you're just someone who's, who struggles to pray as much as you would like to pray. What would it look like to, to get up tomorrow morning and say, I'm gonna trust God with this one decision to pray and trust that his faithfulness will be real and true and his plan will go forward.
If you uh, snag your communion on the, on the way in, I, I'm going to give you just a, a, a moment. We've, as, as teachers, we've, we've learned over the last uh, couple of years to, to have a longer dramatic pause just before you start communion because it takes a good 30 seconds to get the little wafer out. In, in your head, I, w- I would love for you just to think, what is, what's one decision that Jesus made in the long line of decisions that led to the point that we are able to remember what he did for us on the cross? Like, I, I could go through so many of them. The fact that he decided to leave heaven and, and show up in our world. The, the decision is the woman was following, following behind him and, and grabbed his tassel, that decision to, to stop and turn and be present in that moment. I think of Jesus and how he said, I could, I could call 10,000 angels and call this whole thing off. But every one of those decisions that Jesus made were connected. He said, I came to do the will of the Father. Every one of those decisions connected to his character, his Father's character. And every one of those decisions along the way led to the greatest and biggest decision that has ever been made the decision of Jesus to be our sacrifice on the cross. Jesus took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body which is broken for you and you and you and you. we take this this morning, reflect on the character of God. Say, God, just like you making the decisions that you made, I'm going to commit to make the next right decision and trust in faith that that little decision becomes something great in your hands. Let's take it together. took the cup I can't help but think for Ruth and Boaz all of the covenants of the Old Testament and yet in all of that hurt and loss as they just go to do the little thing that they know they're supposed to do that they couldn't fully comprehend everything that God was going to do through those covenants. We come to that moment where a brand new covenant 
that would forever and ever change forever. Jesus took the cup and he blessed it. He said, this is my body. This is my blood that is shed for a brand new covenant where the things we do connect with his character and his plan. And it will forever be so. Let's drink together.